we are talking about Christ the healer. We started last Sunday, and I got to tell you, the Lord has really put it in my heart to help build a foundation of God's word of healing and health in your bodies, in your spirit, in your life, so that you know that you know that you know that you as a child of God are the healed. And so now, because Jesus bore your sickness and your disease 2,000 years ago, that you never have to put up with symptoms that attack your body, with viruses, with sickness, with disease, that, that it has to leave and bow to who you are in Christ now. Because Jesus bore it, you don't have to. So open your Bibles this morning. We're going to jump right in to Galatians chapter 3 in verse 13. We're going to look at verse 13 and verse 14. This is a foundational scripture. It talks about what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary for you and I. He was made a curse for you and I so that we could walk in health, divine health, that we can experience his healing power this morning. Oh, let these words wash deep over your spirit. This is not a theory that we are teaching about. This is the incorruptible word of God. And Jesus always was, is, and always will be a healer. Are you ready this morning? Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, in verse 13, it says here that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law hallelujah how did he do that being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree isn't that good news jesus was made a curse for you so child of god if you're sitting in your home today if there are symptoms in your body Know this, <clears throat> your body, because it hasn't been glorified and redeemed yet, is subject to sickness and disease, and Satan does not play by the rules. So he attacks illegally. But that's all right, because we are the ones with authority. All of his authority was stripped by Jesus. The fight of faith is not against the enemy. The fight of faith, child of God, is for you and I to stay at rest, to simply believe what God's word tells us and then act on it by keeping it ever in our mouth and adding corresponding action to our faith. And how do we do that? The Holy Spirit leads us into all of that. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it says here, as we break this scripture down, the thing that jumps out at me right away, it says Christ hath. That's, that, that word is past tense. This is something that is already done. Not something that he needs to do today. This is something that's already done. He hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. This is something that has already happened. Repeat this after me. I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Therefore, I am redeemed from the curse of the law right now. Hallelujah. This word redeemed, it means to ransom. If you were taken captive, you would have to, a ransom would have to be paid in order to get you out. To be redeemed means that Jesus, he gave himself as a ransom for the purpose of rescuing you out of the curse of the law and placing you now 
He bought you out and placed you in to the kingdom of God's dear Son where there is no sickness, no disease, and no poverty, and no lack. There is no spiritual death. You've been redeemed from it. And it says he redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, you could sum it up by saying this, it's the curse or punishment that came upon man because they broke God's law. God's law is life. And when Adam broke that, spiritual death, the sin nature came into this earth. And when sin came into this earth realm, death came with it. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How he did that, he was made a curse for us. And then Paul, as he was inspired by the mighty Holy Spirit, as God breathed this verse, the Holy Spirit saw fit to quote Deuteronomy 21, 23. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree talking about Jesus on a cross. So Jesus was made a curse for you and I on the cross so that we would be redeemed from the curse of the law. This has already happened, child of God. You are already redeemed. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We should walk around all day every day, talking about how that we are redeemed. Verse 14, God did that for us, that or so that, the blessing. <clears throat> now this, the blessing of Abraham, notice this word blessing is singular, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So basically, God removed us from the curse of the law so that he could put something on us called the blessing of Abraham. That it would come upon me and you as a Gentile. And it would come on us through Jesus Christ. That word Christ means through the anointed one and his anointing that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, the ability to be born again, the ability to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to live and dwell in a brand new spirit that he puts in us for all eternity. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit or the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. This is talking about salvation. Now, if you jump down to verse 29, it really seals this deal. Galatians 3.29 says this, And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and an heir according to the promise. Now, as we really look at this this morning, what is the curse of the law? To find out what the curse of the law is, we've got to go back and look at what the law is. The law, as spoken of in the New Testament, it either refers to the Ten Commandments or it refers to the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch are the first five books that Moses wrote in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's got to be one of those two things. Now, as you look at the Ten Commandments, there's nothing in the Ten Commandments about the curse of the law. Therefore, the curse of the law would have to be found in the Pentateuch. The curse or the punishment for breaking God's law 
we see is threefold as we look at the Pentateuch, as we look at what the curse of the law, how it's defined. It's poverty, it's sickness, and it's spiritual death. The curse would come on all of us because we've all sinned. Romans chapter 3, in verse 23, the Bible says, For all have sinned. Now we need to break this word down, sinned. It's the Greek word hamartano. It's, it's a verb. It means to miss the mark. Well, what is the mark? The Bible says that God is life. God is eternal life. He is the mark. Anything that is sin misses the mark. So anything outside of the realm of who God is and what God has said, because you can't separate God from his word, that would be considered sin. For all have sinned. This is that verb, hamartano. Miss the mark and come short of the glory of God. That was all of us. In Romans chapter 5, in verse 12, it says this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So I really want to break this down because this is we need to understand where we are in this. So the Bible said, we all miss the mark. And now in verse chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, this is a Greek word that is hamartia. This word is a noun. In other words, this word is talking about spiritual death. For as by one man, talking about Adam, spiritual death entered into the world and death by sin. Again, this word sin is the noun hamartia, talking about spiritual death. So I'm going to read it literally. Wherefore, as by one man, spiritual death entered into the world, and, spiritual, and, and death, spiritual death, was a result. And so death passed upon all men. See, all of us sinned in Adam. So we were all born in sin. And Romans lays out perfectly how, how God lights every spirit that comes into the world. So every baby, every human being that's born into the world, God, their spirit is alive when they come into the world. But the Bible talks about an age of accountability, a time, and, and, and the enemy is really working hard to lower that with all the sexual perversion and all of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the attack upon our children and upon families is for the purpose of lowering this age of accountability. What that is is as a little guy or a little girl, as they grow up and they hit about 10 to 12 years old, at some point, it's different for everyone, at some point, they will know that what they are about to do is wrong. It's not just in their flesh. These little guys that, that get rebellious and all this stuff, their spirit's alive. It's just they're living out of their flesh. But at some point, they know consciously that God does not want me to do this, and they do it anyway. And the Bible says 
that when that happens, sin revives and spiritual death now takes over their spirit and they die spiritually. Now the goal, and this is why we have a powerful children's ministry, I'm so grateful for Teresa and for her whole team of powerful ministers. We have a great children's ministry because we want to build the word of God in these little guys and these little girls so that they never have to reach that age of accountability, that they could be born again and come and just have, have their spirits made brand new so that they never know spiritual death. And I believe that we're doing a good job in this area. Hallelujah. We have a great place for kids to grow up and learn who God is. Learn how to walk in his word. Learn how to be led by his spirit. Walk in the love of God and walk in the strength of God even at a young age. Hallelujah. So getting back to this, wherefore as by one man spiritual death entered into the world and death was a result of this spiritual death. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Again, this word here, the last word in this verse 12, is again the Greek verb, hamartano, to miss the mark. Death passed upon all men for that all have missed the mark. Now if you jump down about seven verses to verse 19, it says this, for as by one man's disobedience, talking about Adam's sin, many were made sinners. Now this word literally is the Greek word hamartalos. This word is an adjective. They're all from the same root, but this word could be defined sinful. So literally to read this scripture, you could say, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinful. So by the obedience of one, talking about Jesus, Jesus was obedient all the way to the death of the cross. It says, shall many be made righteous. And child of God, this is why today you as a righteous child of God have in your inheritance healing and health and divine life because you have been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. He was made sin so that you would be made righteous. He was made sick so that you would be healed and walk in health. He was made poor so that you and I would be rich. That word means a full and abundant supply of finances. When did all this happen? It all happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. And then when Jesus, it was, he said it is finished. He gave up his spirit. And then he went into the heart of the earth. And when he came out of that grave, three days later, he said this, guys, today is a new day. Now, all authority. Jesus was, he walked in a lot of delegated authority on the earth. He had authority over all Satan, over all demonic powers. He had, he had authority to heal the sick, to forgive sin. And he operated as, a, as, operated as a man anointed by God. But when he came out of that grave, it was beyond that. He said, now all authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me. And then he gave us the power of attorney in his name. And right now, he is seated at the right hand of God, child of God. He ever watches over his word to perform it in yours and my life. As you speak the name of Jesus, as you speak the word of God, it brings the very presence and the very power of God on the scene. 
<clears throat> it is no different than when Jesus was here in the flesh. Except all authority. Now where you and I go, we carry that authority. Hallelujah. Now let's jump down to Romans chapter 6. Finishing this thought here, Romans chapter 6 in verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, as you work a job, you work and you put in your time and you do your skill or whatever your job is, and you are paid wages. The wages are a byproduct of your action. This is telling us, for the wages of sin, again, this is the Greek noun, hamartia. It means spiritual death. You could read it this way. The wages of spiritual death is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And this is not life like a natural life. This is eternal life. It's the Greek word zoe. It is literally the gift of God was to give you and I his very eternal life, the very life that God has, you now have. It permeates your spirit man. Your spirit man is just beaming with eternal Zoe life. And that Zoe life will quicken your mortal body. It'll change your finances. It'll bring everything in line to God's word in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so excited for that. Rejoice in that today, child of God. Hallelujah. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So as we break this scripture down this morning, Jesus Christ has redeemed us so the blessing of Abraham would come on us as saved children of God. But now here's the thing. How can you take advantage of being redeemed from the curse of sickness if you don't have revelation knowledge in your heart, if you don't know about it? You cannot take advantage of something you do not know about. Here's another aspect of this. Many believers believe that if a spiritual blessing belongs to them, that it will automatically happen in their life. But this does not work, even on a lowest level in natural things. You know, example, this coming November, we will have an opportunity as citizens of the United States to vote righteousness, to vote for our Congress, to vote for our president. We will have an opportunity to do that. Not only do we have an opportunity, we have a right. It's been given to us as citizens of the United States. We have a responsibility to do that. But just because you have a right to vote does not mean that you will automatically vote. There will be many, sad to say, even children of God who will not vote. They have the right. They, they were given it. However, they chose not to act on it. That's exactly the way spiritual blessings work, child of God. Just because something's been given to you, you have been redeemed from the curse of spiritual death, from the curse of sickness, from the curse of poverty. You've been redeemed. Jesus was made a curse for you. But just because that belongs to you does not mean that you'll walk in it. You have to lay hold and exercise your right to walk in this. This is why this doctrine that's straight from the pit of hell, 
that says that God will heal some and not others is not true. It comes against the very character and nature of God who is no respecter of persons. Listen, Jesus died for every man's sin. Every man's sin has been paid for. But there will still be multitudes and multitudes of people who will choose not to glorify God as God and won't be thankful and won't receive what Jesus did and will want to live for themselves and they will be lost for eternity. Not because they weren't saved, they never exercised their right to it. They never took it. God can't violate a person's will. You as his child, he's provided healing for you. But you must believe that what he has told you is true, and then you must act on that. So this is what we're talking about. Healing belongs to us. However, if we do not know about it or refuse to act on it, then we will not walk in it and Satan will rob us from our blessing. Realize this, child of God, it is not a matter of what God can do. It is a matter of what you and I can believe. That's the determining factor. We cannot leave up to God what he has left up to us. We cannot take or make his responsibility what he has made our responsibility. Know this, and we're going to look at the ministry of Jesus. Know this. Your faith is the determining factor in your healing. Not the power of God. The power of God is already there. Not the will of God. It is God's will that you be healed. Not what you need. That's not the determining factor. Not what you want. That's not the determining factor. Not what is right or what is fair. That is not the determining factor. Your faith is the determining factor in your healing. See, we do not receive from God according to what we need or what we want or what is right or what is fair. We don't even receive from God based on according to what is His will. No, no. We receive these things through faith. My faith, your faith is the determining factor. What do you mean? Can I just believe God for something that's not God's will? Oh, no, of course not. But we're talking about it is God's will that you be healed. Hallelujah. So you got to know this. So now I want to jump back and I want to jump into Luke because there we're going to go to Luke chapter 5 and we're going to look at verse 15. Child of God, there's an aspect of the master's ministry when he was on this earth. That was amazing. I've studied this for years, and I think it's amazing some of the things it said about the ministry of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 5, in verse 15, it says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and it says, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. It's interesting. It doesn't say that a fame went abroad of Jesus and great multitudes. Now, now literally a multitude at times was thousands of people. But now, these are great multitudes. There was a fame that went abroad of Jesus. People heard of what, was, what he was saying and what he was doing. And it says great multitudes. 
these would have been tens of thousands of people would come together not just to be healed. See, so many today, they just want, just come on, I need to be healed. I don't want to hear anything. I, I just want my healing. But it doesn't work that way, child of God. Healing is a primary aspect, or hearing is a primary aspect of receiving what God has provided for you with physical healing. They came together to hear or to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Now the key is in this word here. This Greek word, and you've heard me say this before, is pronounced akuo. This word means this. It means to hear with giving your full attention to. It means to listen attentively. It means to attend to, to give ear to, to consider what has been said. We're not just listening, we're considering it. It means to understand and comprehend what is being said. It literally means to hear and obey it means that you're going to give heed to what you're hearing, which means you're going to not only hear it, but you're going to act on it. They came to hear and to be healed. Now, if you jump down to Luke chapter 6, in verse 17, it says this, And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear Akuo him and to be healed of their diseases. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. You're going to have to hear before you're going to be able to lay hold of your healing. <clears throat> and notice I say your healing because it's been provided for you in Christ. In Romans chapter 10, in verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. This is how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. This word does not mean listening to. It means hearing. Just what we've explained, akuo. Hearing has more to do with what is said than what is heard. Child of God, this is why we meditate in the Word of God. The Bible says day and night. The Bible says we never let the Word of God depart out of our mouth. If you're standing against a virus, against symptoms, sickness, disease, against some weakness in a joint, some back issue, shoulder issue, no matter what it is, blood issue. You need to be hearing and hearing and hearing God's word. I want to encourage you, listen, anytime you're in your car, turn your car into a sanctuary where you're hearing the word of God on, on, on along the lines of healing. Whatever battle you're in, you want to hear what God's Word says in that arena. You want to, I mean, if you're believing God for your healing, even when you go to bed at night, there's a wonderful uh, healing scripture CD called Heaven's Health Food. Uh, <coughs> listen to scriptures on healing. Sleep with that. It'll feed your spirit all night. And then while you're doing that, as what'll happen is you start muttering these scriptures over and over 
and over out of your mouth. We call that meditating in God's word. Child of God, this is so important. We hear the word of God for the purpose of meditating in the word of God. And we meditate in the word of God for the purpose of hearing the word of God. And we hear the word of God for the purpose of meditating in the word of God. So what happens now as I hear that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, which in, according to Deuteronomy 28.61 includes all sickness and all disease. Father, I thank you that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of sickness and disease because he was made a curse for me. And as I keep meditating in that, as I keep muttering it and saying it, over and over and over and over what will happen on the inside of me now is the mighty holy spirit will take the word of god that see what's happening is i'm putting the word in my heart by speaking it and now the holy spirit will open god's word and light will come we call that revelation knowledge of god's word and when when that opens up now the word of God on the inside of you will speak to you. You will actually hear the very voice and word of God. His word is spirit and his word is life. And what will happen now is it'll, it'll go from something that you know in your head to all of a sudden, out of your spirit, you'll hear the word of God. My child, Christ has redeemed you from this sickness and this disease that is attacking your body. He's redeemed you from it because he bore it. He was made a curse for you. And when you hear that in your spirit, when you hear the word of God, the Bible says faith comes to you when you hear the very voice and sound of the word of God. And it's then that you are now in faith and able to believe and, and act on and lay hold of what God has provided for you. This is the life of faith. This is the walk of faith. This is why the word is so very important that you keep it in abundance in your heart and you keep it always coming out of your mouth, that you always use your mixer, your mouth, that you mix faith with what the gospel that you're hearing. Father, I thank you that I'm going to live and not die and declare your works. I thank you that you are the Lord, my healer, and that you sent your word and healed me. See, right now, notice that I am hearing the word of God. I'm not letting the word depart out of my mouth. I'm meditating in it day and night. And the word of God tells me that as I do that, the word will be life to me because I find it, and it'll be health or medicine to all of my flesh. Now, you're in Romans 10. Let's jump down or jump back to uh, Romans chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 13 because it's going to explain what verse 17 has told us. Child of God, as your pastor, I love you with all of my heart. And we're going to come to you in the anointing, operating in the anointing, and it's going to continue to get stronger. I could sense it deeper, greater. But child of God, it is time that God be first place in your life. It is time that his word take precedent over everything in your life. And it's time that you give the word of God first place and that you keep it in abundance in your heart 
so that it will always be coming out of your mouth and that the word will never depart out of your mouth. Child of God, it'll change everything in your life. So let's look at Romans chapter 10 in verse 13. We're going to go through verse 15 because it'll explain to us how this is working. And it goes backwards. So it starts out at the end. Remember, God is the God who tells the end from the beginning. So it's going to tell the end and it's going to work its way back so that we can understand what it's saying. It says, for whosoever... So this means that's anybody. That, this means you qualify. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us whoever calls gets the result they're saved. Not some, whoever. This is for whosoever Verse 14 says this, How then, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? In other words, they're not going to be able to call on him, which means they're not going to be able to be saved if they don't believe. So we have to believe right in order to call right in order to get the result and be saved. So now it says this though, and how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? So this is why people came to hear and to be healed. In other words, I have to guard who I hear, what I hear, and how I hear. I have to be very careful what I'm feeding on. If you'll notice in our country right now, we have a great dilemma of this virus that's literally attacking the world. And the fear level is unprecedented, which is causing anxiety. It's causing depression. It's causing alcoholism, drug abuse, domestic violence. It's bringing anger into society as never before. Well, what's happening? People will sit and watch the news and, and hear and hear and hear death and destruction and fear and all these things. What's sad is some of it's true, but most of it's not. It's very sad that our reporters have reached such a low level that they're no longer reporting the news, they're trying to make the news. And what happens is people are hearing death so they're starting to believe, or, or they're well into believing this death. And then they start speaking the death. And they get the result of death. In order, in order to start this process, you have to hear correctly. Well, how do you do that? It says here, and how shall they hear? And, or I'm sorry, and how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they akuo? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So, child of God, to walk by the faith of God, so that you can lay hold of the blessings of God, you must hear, guard who you're hearing, how you're hearing, and what you're hearing. And you must hear correctly because that is going to cause you to believe 
correctly, which will cause you to call or speak and act on what you believe, which will cause you to get the result that God's word promises you. This is so very, very important. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now I want you to turn back to Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 20. We're going to look at verse 20 through 22 because this talks about a very, very important subject. Proverbs chapter 20, or I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. Now, child of God, I want you to hang with me because I want to finish this strong. I've been preaching for about 50 minutes in this sermon, and I'd like to go about 5 to 10 more minutes if I can. We'll see how the Lord leads. But I really want to seal this. It says here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words. If the word of God is medicine, which it is, this would be the prescription on how to take God's medicine. First thing, attend to my words. That means put my words first place in your life. Second thing, incline your ear to my sayings. This means that I give God's word my undivided attention. So very important. Verse 21, let them, talking about God's word, not depart from your eyes. Don't let God's word depart from your eyes. That means you always see yourself having, being, and doing what the word says. You always see God for who he is as spoken of in the word of God. This is how I fix my eyes on Jesus who is the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. And I need to fix my eyes on him as I run my race so that I don't grow wearied and faint in my mind. Let them not depart from your eyes. In other words, position yourself to meditate in God's word day and night. Then it says this, keep them, keep God's words in the midst of your heart. In other words, protect God's word in your heart by keeping it watered, by keeping it moist. You meditate in the word day and night and that waters the word, that keeps it moist. That causes you to be a doer of God's word. That's another way that you keep the word in your, heart, in your heart, in the midst. Always looking at God's word to tell you how your life is. If you want to know how your financial life is, look to the word of God. Don't look to your checkbook. Your checkbook, your investments, your income, that's all subject to change but God's word is not subject to change. Your body, your body is subject to change, but God's healing power, his word is never subject to change. So we keep his words in the midst of our heart. And verse 22 says, for they, God's words, are life unto those that find them. That denotes a looking. Well, how do we look? We look as we meditate, as we keep the word of God in abundance in our heart, always coming out of our mouth. It's life to those that find them and health. This word health 
literally means medicine. It doesn't mean like medicine. It is medicine to all their flesh. See, what we're saying, child of God, is you must focus more on the hearing part than on the being healed part. This is so very important. You focus more on the hearing part than on the being healed part. The being healed part is a byproduct of the hearing. Think of it this way. Hearing is my part. Being healed is God's part. So I focus on my part, the hearing. And God will surely uphold his part, the healing part. You must hear messages that build your faith. You don't want to hear anything that depletes your faith. You don't want to hear anything that takes faith out of you. Verse 20 and 21 of this passage of Scripture instructs us how to hear so that we can find God's Word so that His Word can be medicine to all of our flesh. Child of God, today, may the Word of God flow out of your spirit and over every ounce of who you are spirit and soul and body may it just drip off of you and may the word of god as you hear it the healing power of god will turn will eradicate a virus will clear your lungs, will take inflammation out of your body, will heal arthritis and will heal disc problems in your back and nerve problems, will heal uh, diabetes, will heal cancer, will eradicate tumors. That's God's part and he is faithful. Now I want to close with a story on the woman with the issue of blood. Go to Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 25. As we come down the road here, give me about three and a half minutes. I just want to say, go through this story, and I want you to see how this worked in this woman's life. Verse 25 of Mark chapter 5. It says, In a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So for 12 years, she was hemorrhaging. Any of you ladies that have had an issue of blood, you know it sucks the strength out of you. And, and this, it was an issue of blood. Verse 26 says, And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather she was growing worse. So this lady would go from doctor to specialist to doctor to specialist. And all these men, all these physicians were trying to help her. They were doing everything that they knew to do in the natural. And what had happened is she spent, it says, everything she spent all the money that she had so think of her situation for 12 years it keep it kept getting worse she'd spend more money it'd get worse she'd go to another doctor it would get worse for 12 years this is painting a picture to us of a very hopeless situation but look at verse 27 it says, when she had heard of Jesus, she had to hear that when Messiah would come, he would have healing in his wings. That would have been the hem of his garment, those little tassels that would come on the back of his prayer shawl. She heard of this rabbi, Jesus, who went about teaching and preaching and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. 
the Bible says, after 12 years of all of this, she heard of Jesus. Let today be the day that you heard of Jesus. He is your healer. And when she, heard, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. In other words, she heard. She believed to the point because, see, she would have been, the ruler of the synagogue would have called her unclean. She would have not been allowed to leave her home and go in public. She would have been subject to being stoned right on the spot if she came in public. But what she heard birthed faith in her, and she actually believed that Jesus was her healer. She believed it so much that she acted on this. She left her house in weakness. She could hardly walk, and she's trying to go to Jesus. She's literally putting her life on the line. She knows and she, that she knows. Why? Because she heard, she believes, and now she's acting. She's calling. She's going to Jesus. And she said this, for she said, verse 28, in, in the Greek language it would read, for she continually said within herself. She was muttering this. She was saying over and over, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She didn't say, if I may touch but his clothes, I sure hope that he will heal me. That's not what she said. She said, I know that I know that I know if I can just touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Verse 29. Well, what I want you to see in verse 28 is notice that when she heard something, she said something. When she heard something, she said something. Whatever you're saying today is what you're hearing. So now verse 29. And straightway, or immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice when she heard something, she said something. Verse 29, notice that she didn't feel something until she said something. When she heard something, she said something. Notice that she didn't feel something until after she said something. So you're going to have to hear and speak, and then you will feel, because God is faithful to heal your body. Verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, this word virtue means power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And then Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing. Obviously, the Spirit of God told him it was a woman, so he's looking around to try to see her. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And look at what Jesus said. And this is what you've got to see, child of God. He said unto her, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. 
Notice Jesus put the emphasis on her faith. The determining factor on her healing was her faith. It wasn't what was right. She was a daughter of Abraham. She had a legal right for healing according to the Old Testament. But she was sick for 12 years. But when she heard something, she acted on it. She said something. And she was healed. And Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Not just healed, but whole. Child of God, he has wholeness for you today. Receive that wholeness in the name of Jesus.